Hi, this is Tracy Tram, Youth Radio Collective member. Today on Youth Radio, we have highlights from this summer's Youth Speak Out, where young people from New Mexico came together to tell their stories and talk about their communities. We'll also hear a story about teen girls from mi- the Middle East. These young women attended a peace camp in New Mexico with hopes of finding resolution and an understanding about the conflict in their countries. I'm Lucia Martinez, an active member of Youth Radio. There are several young people who are active in the community, including members from the KUNM Youth Radio Show. We would like to share some stories from incredible young people around New Mexico. This past summer, Otiamba Umi and Aralia Costa hosted a Radio Town Hall Youth Speakout. During the speakout, teens talked about their life experiences and organizations they are affiliated with. We hope that this speakout will inspire other youth to get involved in their communities and inspire adults to create the opportunities for youth to become engaged in their communities. So the speakout structure will be the following. We're going to have two panel presentations. The first panel will feature personal inspiration stories from panelists who are prepared to speak about how they met and overcame the challenges that youth across New Mexico face. Members of the second panel will speak about positive youth development. For example, from the perspective of youth organizing, youth leadership, peer leadership, and how this makes positive difference in their communities. Now we'd like to get right to it, folks, and start with our first panel. I'd like to introduce our first panel who will be sharing their inspirational stories. Our panel is made up of Carmen Gallegos, Felicia Tafoya, Violet Ami, and what I'd like to be asking them um, is to share a little bit about the main challenges that they have encountered and what made the, the difference for them to get through those challenging times. Our first panelist is Carmen Gallegos. Carmen is 15 years old and attends Capitol High School in Santa Fe. Carmen came to the United States as a child and experienced living as an immigrant. As a result of her life experiences, she has worked as an advocate for immigrant rights. Carmen has aspirations of becoming a lawyer to not only show their immigrants what you can accomplish, but also defend their rights. She is part of Enlace Avid, which is an academic program to help Latino youth successfully get scholarships and access to college education. Carmen enjoys getting to know different people from all types of backgrounds. She has participated in a theater residency project as an actress in a civil rights program and was part of Hip Hopra, which was performed throughout Santa Fe. She's an avid writer and is currently working on an independent short novel. She has also written several radio essays for youth radio programming. So, so, Carmen, if you would like to share one of your inspirational stories with that, we'd, we'd really appreciate it. Well, my name is I'm involved in the youth radio program. Um, well, I, was, I come from a Mexican family. We come from Zacatecas. Um, I, I immigrated illegally with my mom. My dad and my brother, are, they've been illegal, illegal forever, so as, I, as far as I can remember. So, I mean, it was really tough growing up as a, as a teenager, as a kid, in um, an environment when you're not, where a lot of people don't really, where you feel, like, excluded. Um, as when I got my, I became legal in the, in the year 2000, and from that, I just decided to be more involved with my community and in, in school projects. Um, I became part of TRP, which um, helped a lot of, it, it taught us our civil rights, how anybody has rights from being an immigrant or to anything. Um, I learned so much, which brought me to be wanting me to be a lawyer. 
So that's my biggest aspiration in life right now. I write a lot, and I mean, I just I think it's important for any 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 young individual, especially a Hispanic Latino, to just be part and be heard of anything they want because anything is possible if they put their mind to it. And doesn't matter what background they're from, doesn't matter if they're Mexican, Puerto Rican, Filipino, doesn't matter. They'll be heard of eventually, or they'll be heard now. And I think that's just basically it. That I mean, just doesn't it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. Anybody could be heard. Well, thank you for your story. I look forward to reading your short novel someday. <laughs> thank you. Our next panelist is Felicia Tafoya. Felicia Tafoya is 17 years old and is in the process of completing her GED in Albuquerque. Felicia has been part of the United South Broadway Youth Conservation Corps for three years and has participated in the South Broadway Beautification Project by planting trees and helping to restore buildings. She also constructed the Bosque Trail between Central and Atrisco and was a painter of murals in the community. She is also trained to become a YCC crew leader. Felicia is most proud of the fact that she is living independently and has a positive influence on her family and the youth of the South Broadway area. Felicia testified before the New Mexico Senate on behalf of the New Mexico Teacher Program Senate Bill and Joint Senate Memorial 197. She is considered one of the shining stars of United South Broadway and continues to influence others to make positive choices. So Felicia, if you could give us a small glimpse into your life. Yeah. My name is Felicia Tafoya and I am part of the Youth Conservation Corps at United South Broadway Corporation. And I just want to start by sharing some of my personal stories with you all. Um, I was raised by my grandmother, who is a single parent. I never had a father. And my mother had me at 15 years old. And you can imagine, you know, for someone like that, she wouldn't be around much. So my grandmother um, raised me as a single parent. And my mother, when she was 27 years old, she overdosed and died. And I was 12 years old. And I followed in her path towards self-destruction and doing bad things that youth shouldn't be doing, you know. And um, I was 12 years old, and my only positive role model was my grandmother, who said, you know, without an education, you'll never get anywhere. And her inspiration and strive helps me every time I feel that I won't go nowhere. And the loss of my mother makes me turn away from the path of self-destruction, from drugs and alcohol. And I want to say that youth have many challenges in their life that they must face. And whatever those challenges are, you just got to, you know, just strive and, like, try to get an education is the only way out, I, I would say, for my life. And probably for most other kids who grow up in neighborhoods um, overcome by drugs and alcohol. And with that, I have uh, five steps <laughs> to self-success. And number one. Without an education, we will never get to where we want to be. So I would strongly inform, just please get an education. And never let anyone bring you down. Never let anything hold you down. Because if you let those things overcome you, you're just never going to be what you want to be. You're never going to be happy, I would say. And uh, never, number three, always get what you want. Reach for the stars and pull them down towards you because you just got to grab life by the horns like on that Dodge Ram commercial and get what you want and uh, number four no matter how bad things get never give up try to be happy 
trying to be, never give up trying to be happy and always be positive. Because if you have a positive attitude, you're going to get to where you want to go. And uh, number five, when you get to where you want to go in your life, stay there and be happy and just do what makes you happy. Just try to be all that you could be and go to school and just keep trying to do positive things because being a part of all those social programs or like going out and, you know, kids, they like to party and stuff like that. It's never really going to get you anywhere. Trying to fit in like the MTV way, like on TV and stuff like that. It's, it's just wrong. I just think that we all should just strive to be better than that and get an education. So that's my main message today. Felicia, we would like to thank you for sharing that personal story with us and as well, the five steps to success. Our next panelist is Violet Don Ami. Violet is 20 years old and is starting her second year at the University of New Mexico and as well is a Daniel Fund scholar. Violet was raised in Laguna Pueblo and attended Native American prep in Santa Fe. She had a son at 16 and her close-knit family has given her support in all areas of her life. She relocated to Albuquerque to attend New Futures High School and excelled in every area of her academia while being student council president her junior and senior year. Violet was recognized for her natural leadership and high standards and graduated with honors in the class of 2004. She's extremely resourceful and has found several community resources to facilitate her in accomplishing her goals. Violet is most proud of taking care of her three-year-old son, Nico, while being an independent parent. She also takes pride in having the love and support of her family and the life experiences which have helped her become the person she is today. To this day, she is the only youth to serve on the Children, Youth, and Families Advisory Committee. Violet brings a different perspective to the committee. Now, Violet, we would like to hear from you. As she said, I got pregnant um, when I was 16. I actually had him when I was 17. But first off, I want to start by saying I was a teen who never thought anything bad would happen to me. I was, thought I was invincible. I had fun in high school, my friends, everything. And when I found that out, it crushed me. And I, I quit school and I moved home. And I stayed home for a year before going back to school. And um, during that year, I worked two jobs, and I got a lot of support from my family telling me that this is only a setback. It's, not, it's nothing that is going to stop me from accomplishing my dreams. And my dreams were to move to New York and become a fashion designer. So right away, I thought that I couldn't leave and, and that I couldn't do anything now that I had my son. But... Um, I went back to school with a new outlook on life, with a new perspective, and um, I really excelled in school, and I made a good impression on my principal, who was there, who went on to become cabinet secretary, and she's the one who appointed me um, for the government position. So that has really helped me to express my ideas and to get involved. But now I go to UNM, this is my second year, and... Um, my son goes to the daycare and like I said, my dreams were put on hold for a while, but now I feel that they're, they're within grasp again. I, right now I'm in the process of um, designing cl a clothing and a jewelry line with my friend and um, it's been four years since those dreams that I thought would go away, but 
now I see that it's in my grasp again and I've been able to do that with the support of my family and the support of the people around me who have seen my change and my positive outlook on life and how I know that nothing can stop me and people people see that and they see the drive that you have if you have that drive they see that in you and they're willing to help you even if you're in a negative situation so I've been lucky enough to have those people around me who see that and who are willing to help me and willing to push me in the right direction so I just want to say that for anybody who thinks they're in a negative situation or who thinks that they have setbacks or have dead ends in their life, that's not, there's, that's not the end for you. I mean, you always have to have a positive outlook no matter how negative the situation. And people will see that and people will help you out. Thank you very much. We've got some bright minds on this panel. So now we're, like, we're going to move to our next panel of youth leaders. These are amazing people that have figured out the value of giving service to their communities. Again, we have a diverse group from all across New Mexico. And on this panel, we have Alba Arocha, Kirby Platero, and Quentin Dorn. The questions that we want this panel to focus on are the following. We want them to give an example of what type of service to the community that you have accomplished while working with the organization, and then tell us about some of the best practices that your organization does to keep young leaders like yourself engaged. Our first panelist is Quentin Dorn. <laughs> Quentin Dorn is 18 years old and a student at the University of New Mexico. He graduated from Albuquerque High School with a cumulative GPA of higher than a 3.0. Quentin has been involved in several activities, including performances and practicing physical discipline. He has done modeling, acting, singing, karate, and photography. Quentin considers himself a jack of all trades and tries to do a little of everything. Quentin is proud of graduating from high school in excellent standing. His major accomplishment is maintaining his first job for more than three years. He has been promoted to evening supervisor and is appreciated in the workplace. Quentin also recently placed second in an international acting competition. And now we will hear from Quentin. Thank you all very much for that introduction. Hi, um, my name is Quentin Dorn, as I already said. I'm 18 and I'm from Albuquerque. Um, some of the things they pointed on, I work at a place called Ishinru Karate, um, where we teach martial arts. Um, of course, one of the key things in martial arts is self-defense. Um, we teach kids from four-year-olds on up to 99. That means as long as you uh, have, a, have a want to get out there and learn and be in physical health, um, we're willing to teach you. But um, along with that is more than just self-defense and the karate aspect. We teach discipline. Um, especially to the younger kids, the, the four to six year old crowd and the kids just getting into school. Um, we teach them the skills they need to succeed within the classroom and things that they'll be able to carry on throughout the rest of their life. Um, so to help them succeed throughout the classroom when they get their first job, uh, when they have kids, they teach them discipline. So we try to um, reach the children um, at an early age. Um, we, I teach a lot of different kids. Um, I teach over 100 youth a week uh, in the facilities that we have. I also go to um, community centers all over the city uh, where I teach all summer, about four or five different community centers this summer. But um, in addition to teaching of karate, um, something else that's very important to me is to be a strong influence in my own cultural community, which is I am African American. Um, New Mexico has a very small percentage of African Americans, maybe about 3% in the city of Albuquerque. 
Um, and if without a positive role model for these youth in Albuquerque, they get their influences from MTV and BET, like, uh, like Felicia was saying, and that's not the way they want to go. They see all the things on TV, and they think that's how to be if they don't have somebody within their own community to look up to. Um, just within my family and people I see every day, I have eight younger cousins, six of them are males. So that's six males right there that I can influence, African-American males that I can influence on a daily basis. I have a younger brother um, that I can also influence. And so I try to do things that can influence them in a positive way. Um, one th uh, biggest thing that I think I wanna tell people is to affect somebody's life. Get out there and try to influence somebody else. Um, the reason I was able to do all the things that they listed off is because somebody took uh, care and notice in my life. Somebody thought something I was doing was important and they encouraged me to continue to do that. That's why I was able to act and sing and things like that because somebody took notice. Um, and if you're not sure how to do it, there's many ways to do it. Um, if you do it through big brothers, big sisters, I mean, my dad's a pastor at a church and my whole life I've been in church and I've been able to influence you younger kids through that. Um, just being at church and at work, um, currently through my job, I'm, I'm with the Martin Luther King Convention. They're having a, um, a Youth Against Violence Convention going on right now, and I'm chaperoning for that. And there's dozens of African-American youth there that um, just by volunteering some time, I'm able to influence their lives, hopefully in a positive manner. So um, I just encourage everybody, all the adults, anybody that has somebody younger than them that looks up to them, to get out there and influence somebody's life so they have somebody to look up to, so they know somebody cares about what they're doing, because it's hard if you think you're doing it by yourself. Thank you very much. Our next panelist is Kirby Platero. Kirby Lea Platero is 15 years old and a sophomore at Highland High School. She was born and raised in Naizi, New Mexico. Kirby moved to the southeast community of Albuquerque in 1998 with her mother, who is a single parent of Kirby, and her two siblings. She's a young activist who uses visual art as a way of expression and to create change. At age 13, Kirby joined Young Women United and became a peer educator and advocate for sex education. She has survived the struggles of moving to a different environment and becoming active with her new community. Kirby is inspired and proud of her mother. Despite going through life without a father figure, Kirby is independent and proud of being a strong female. As a longtime member of Young Women United, she has seen the success of their campaign, which is getting comprehensive sex education in the public schools. She's also, a proud of bring, she's also proud of being more than just a young adolescent. So if you could share with us some of your youth leadership, please. Hi, my name is Kirby Platero, and I'm 15 years old, and the group that I'm representing is Young Women United, and I'm a young Native American female, and I was born in Naizi, New Mexico, and I came to Albuquerque with my mom, my brother, and my little sister in 1998. Well, I'm with a group called Young Women United. It's an organization by and for young women of color in southeast of Albuquerque. And inside Young Women United is a group, a youth group called Circle of Strength for young women of color 13 through 19. And the reason why I joined Circle of Strength is because one inspiration would be my mother. Like when I grew up, she, I had no father, so like she had to struggle to raise me and my siblings. So yeah, I have respect for her. And another would be my little sister, Joseva. 
and I want to be that role model for her, and I think she really looks up to me, so I just wanted to know. What we do is we do youth organizing, and we make youth-led decisions, and we decide on what we want to change or see happen in our community. And the type of service that YWU has committed for the community was letting people know that they do have the right to know about everything. And about two years ago, we started working on this campaign, which was to get comprehensive sex ed. And what we did was we did surveys to high school students. And it seemed like teen pregnancy was a big issue since New Mexico was the third highest for teen pregnancy. Comprehensive sex ed is like detailed information on how to protect yourselves, like the correct usage of condoms and birth control and different contraceptive methods, and also info on STIs and STDs. Um, let's see. Like we, we did petitions, surveys, and we also attended the school board meetings, and we got a lot of media attention for that, so it was like a big plus. And after approaching the school board many times with this issue, this year on April 2005, APS announced that comprehensive sex ed will be taught seventh grade and higher. Yeah, and all of Albuquerque. So this campaign was a huge success right now, and I think it's like really important that the youth out there help, helped us get this far, because like, if we know what the youth wants, it's easier for us, because like, together we could make a change. So it's important that the youth do speak out. Thank you, Kirby. We really appreciate your efforts for emphasizing sex education in the schools. And now we're going to hear from Alba Arocha. Albert was born in Chambarino and is a 17-year-old senior at Gadsden High School in Anthony, New Mexico. He's a youth coordinator for a nonprofit organization, the Southern Doña Ana Action for Youth. This organization is designed to build the capacity of communities to support youth and parents for the development of healthier youth. Albert also participates in the organization's Youth Council, which brings youth together in Southern Doña Ana County to share ideas about the communities. Albert plays the saxophone, which is pretty cool. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a jazz fan myself, so. And he also likes jazz. His accomplishments include being a youth advocate and standing up for youth's rights. He has been an active part of Action for Youth for several years and is a member of the Safe School Ambassador Program, which focuses on anti-violence in the schools. Albert is proud of getting other kids involved in youth activities, getting others to think about the consequences of their actions before they get into trouble, and being able to affect changes in self-esteem and self-confidence one person at a time. So Albert, if you would like to add to that. All right, um, thank you. Uh, my name is Albert Arrocha. Um, I'm involved in 13 organizations. <laughs> a lot of people say, well, don't you got a life? Well, I do got a life, but it's just doing I just like doing what I love, which is just helping out the community and making sure that people hear the voices of the youth. Um, I am in Southern Doniana Action for Youth, and what we do is what we're based on the 40 developmental assets. These assets um, are there to help improve and to help improve young people's lives so they could grow up being happy and healthy. Um, we also try to focus on the problems in our community which are violence, teen pregnancy, and, and gangs. Um, the, way we get these, the way we get these topics are by youth. 
I mean, youth are in schools, youth are in the communities. We know our problems and we know what we need. We, have the, we, ha we will come up with the solutions. I mean, we face these things every day. For example, um, at school, the violence, the bullying. Um, me and other youth felt that it was a big problem and we needed to fix it. We need to take charge and do something about these problems. So um, during one of the meetings, we came around this path that was Safe School Ambassadors. And as youth in our community, responsible and caring youth in our community, we stood up and said, you know what? We want this, and we will make it happen. It took, it took us a year, and we had to get funds and ask people, like administration, to take responsibility, but they did. And, and that's just to show you that if you want something positive in your community, you could get it. Um, Action for Youth also does a lot of other things, like we do park cleanups, we visit children's foster homes, and we do soup kitchens for like um, Thanksgiving and things like that. But my big, my big um, point that I always want to get through is that youth have a voice, and we need to listen to these voices. Um, the voices of today, everybody knows that they're, they're going to affect tomorrow. But it's not just the voices that we need to listen to. It's the actions that we have to take. We have to take actions today. Okay. Um, to keep young leaders engaged is to give them responsibilities. Give them a chance to express themselves. In every organization, you have members that really don't do nothing. They just sit back and watch. Make them feel a part of the organization. Give them responsibilities. Ask them, you go to your community every day. You walk home. Is there something you don't like about it? And if there is, if there is then change it. It's that, it sounds simple, but to take the actions is a little harder. But once you take that action, you feel, you feel you accomplished something. Um, so just to be a strong youth, adults will listen. If they don't listen, make them listen and be strong. And remember that youth have a voice and we must listen. Thank you. You're listening to KUNM Youth Radio. What you just heard was an excerpt from this summer's Youth Speak Out. The first ever Youth Speak Out was a great opportunity for teens from all over New Mexico to get together and share information about themselves and the organizations they work for. Our next segment comes from a radio program called Peace Talks. But first, we're going to listen to a segment that I, Kyle Ferris, put together asking for you, our listening audience, to help us find a name for our show. Over the past few weeks, the Youth Radio crew has been trying to think of something to call the show, a name that describes the Youth Radio program. We want this name to symbolize what the show means, not only to us, but to the listeners as well. Since our listeners are as much a part of this as we are, we want to know what you think the show should be called. We'd like to ask you to send in ideas for a name for the Youth Radio program. Send your ideas to youthradio at kunm.org. My name is Joseph Savage. During the Summer Voices of Creativity Peace Camp, teen girls from Palestine and Israel lived together and shared their life experiences and talked about their perspective on the conflict in their homelands in the Middle East. I hope peace will follow All the riots, all the sorrow And I hope I can find in my soul Peace of mind This is Peace Talks, a series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution strategies. In a Santa Fe synagogue, musician Donald Rubenstein sings to an overflow crowd. As Rubenstein plays, teenage girls file in from different corners of the room to fill 14 empty chairs that face the audience. 
These youngsters have come from different corners of the Middle East as well to be here, from the West Bank, from Gaza, from Israel. Some are Israeli, some are Palestinian, some are Jewish, some Christian, some Muslim. This event is the culmination of a two-week summer camp for all of them. The Creativity for Peace camp has, for several years now, brought groups of youngsters out of their land of conflict, fear, and violence to gather in northern New Mexico to meet each other, to share their experiences, and to learn skills for leadership, trust, reconciliation, and peaceful coexistence. Bonds of friendship also form between them. Professional dialogue counselors work with the youngsters who have each written a monologue that they'll present at the synagogue on this night. They express their fears as well as their hopes for peace. The girls approach the microphone in groups of three, each representing a different side of the Mideast conflict. A Palestinian Muslim girl named Sabrine wears a headscarf and speaks through a translator. Sometimes I feel that my pen is my land. When I write, I try to write from my heart. My pen is the land I go to when I feel full of anger, happiness, longing. I let the pen slow down on the sheet to leave behind the imprint of my feelings. But it doesn't mean that I don't need a physical land where I can feel safe. Safe to feel the warmth of the soil and the depth of the sun embrace me when I cry. And because of the occupation, I hope, I wish, to have a land, a wide land, and clean authority, and a beautiful nation with ease of movement and freedom. To my mind, it could only happen through the younger generation, our generation. I would need many notebooks to write about checkpoints as they are the worst thing I have ever experienced in my life. When I left Gaza and came to America with my friends to attend the peace camp, we had to pass through a number of checkpoints. Each time, it felt like I was being robbed of my self-respect when the soldiers spoke to us slowly, forcefully, and with a teasing insolence that was so humiliating. They asked us to take some of our clothes off, and it felt like someone drained my soul. If they weren't so concerned about world opinion, I'm sure they would have asked us to undress completely, standing naked in front of everyone. They treat you worse than an animal and you can't even know who's giving you orders. The guard speaks down to you from a tower high above the ground, so far up that you can only catch his eyes if you squint. For me, it is the worst feeling in the world to have to encounter such difficulties and endure such humiliation just to leave Gaza and wait for hours on end to pass through the checkpoint this endless waiting is hardest for those who are ill and in need of medical treatment abroad. And some prefer to die from the sickness than languish at the checkpoint. I hope that one day my land will be free so I could live in it in peace 
and without checkpoints. Sariel is a Jewish-Israeli girl. Goodbye. I love you. Have a good day. The usual words. The usual formula. I always say it when I leave home. I remember the first bombing in Jerusalem. I was eight years old and had just returned to Israel after six years in the United States. It was a dark, rainy day. I heard on the radio that a bus had blown up, killing many people. I remember feeling very sad and confused. Why? I asked my mother. Why did they do it? When I arrived at school, a boy in my class told me that his sister had lost a friend in the attack. Since the Intifada has started, there have been many days when I arrived, my, when I arrived to school and find my classmates talking in hushed voices or crying in the corridors. Some know people who have just lost a parent. Sometimes people from their former schools or their youth groups are killed. One day I came to school and found my friends sobbing. A suicide bomber had exploded in a cafe five minutes from my school. Many people I know frequent this cafe. My friend knew two of the people who were killed in the blast, a father and a daughter. The father was an immigrant from the United States, a doctor who invested a lot of effort improving the emergency ward of one of Jerusalem's hospitals. He was known to have treated injured terrorists. His daughter was supposed to be married the next day. About a month ago, a boy my age from Malon Shavut, an Israeli settlement, was shot dead at a bus stop while waiting to go home to his family for Shabbat. His friend who was with him was injured and had both legs amputated. Many girls from my school knew the two boys. During periods of frequent bombings, there were times when there were attacks almost every single day. I was too scared to ride the bus to school. Instead, I'd walk an hour in each direction, even though I had to leave earlier in the morning. Eventually, I decided that I could not go on living in fear forever. If God decreed that I am to die in an attack or lose a family member, I must accept my fate. I told myself that the best way to fight terror is by becoming a better person. I must become strengthened by the fear and pain that I experience. I must appreciate all the things I have been blessed with, a complete loving family, a whole and healthy body, a good brain, and freedom, and that I must try my hardest to become a kinder, more moral person. I can't remember ever walking out of the house without saying I love you, even when I storm out in the middle of a fight. It's sad that it takes an attack to cause us to hug our families harder and realize how fortunate we are. At night before going to bed, I hug my parents and say, good night, sleep well, I love you. The usual words, the usual formula. Thank God we are still a complete family. Thank God we have had one more day together. Farouz, an Arab Muslim living in Israel, is next. I think the world is going crazy around us. Wars are everywhere. People are getting killed every day. And I feel like I fit in the middle of this. I don't know who I am or where I come from. 
It's actually hard for me to talk or write about my land because I feel I don't have any land. I don't feel like I belong to any place. It's like on one hand, I live in Israel, which is considered a Jewish country. I feel I'm unwanted there, the black sheep of the country. Who says that I don't want to be a normal citizen there? I, be, I pay taxes, I speak Hebrew, isn't it enough? Or should I go into the army and serve there? On the other hand, I'm an Arab girl, but I don't live with Arabs. I don't speak Arabic all the time because people can't understand me. I wish that I would have land to belong to, to be free there, to be equal like everyone else, and to live in peace, but real peace. The world land or my land doesn't make sense to me. This comes from my heart, and I can't lie to myself. Who says that I want to continue being considered like the entral enemy from both of the sides? It seems to me that we are not going to live in peace anymore, because we still believe that we have enemies. Enemy. I have heard this word. I think that the real enemy of you is yourself. If you want to believe that you have enemies, it's your problem. You have to fight yourself and do whatever your heart tells you, not what your brain tells you, because hearts are never wrong. It's time to say stop. We want to live. Stop your madness. Our grandparents taught us a lot of things, and we should learn from their experiences. A new generation will be born from us, and I will raise my children to think differently. Arab, Israeli, and Palestinian girls sharing their thoughts at the end of the Creativity for Peace camp in the summer of 2005. Peace Talks host Carol Boss talked with the director of the program, Rachel Kaufman, about the goals of this effort to bring teens from opposing sides in the Mideast conflict together. It's based on this, the, the phrase from Knudsen that an enemy is someone whose story you haven't heard. So once they hear the stories and they, they find the commonality of fear, or the commonality of losing a loved one, once they see the other not as the enemy but as a human being, then all the doors open to understanding. So you've just had, you're almost finished with the second group of teenage girls that have been here this summer. Is there a particularly powerful moving moment that you can share with us? Okay, for this group we've had, and for the last group the same moment, we had girls from Palestine, two girls, who came over who really, to me, expressed they want to meet the Israelis, but they hate them. And the only reason they were coming to camp is to tell the story of their suffering. But they didn't like Jewish-Israeli girls at all. We were in a dialogue crying for like three hours about this. And one of the Palestinian girls, she said, she started really crying. She said, I don't hate you all anymore. I love you. You're my friend. And she said, how can I hate you when you're my friend? See? And one of the other things that happened on the other side is on the first day... A couple of the girls from Gaza were talking about the killing of innocent civilians. And two of the Israeli Jewish girls said, my army does not kill innocent civilians. They really believe that. That's their reality. And then about four or five days later, one of the Israeli Jewish girls started crying, listening to the stories of the kids from Ramallah and Gaza. She says, I just never, I really didn't know what was happening, and I'm so sorry. When I go in the army, I'm going to try and change it so we're not killing children. 
So it was major shifts, you know, from hatred to friendship and from not knowing what's really happening for, on the other side to knowing. But then that girl, of course, has to sit with the pain of, like she says, it's so painful now to hear your truth because my truth was different. And, you know, we can do these dialogues and they cry and they scream and they yell. And then in the next minute they're playing music and dancing and having lunch or shopping. But their lives are not that easy. I mean, you sat and listened to him tonight. It's not a normal teenage life. Normal teenagers don't worry about being blown up or run over. We've had a, we have a girl here that was chased by a tank. You know, and when she tells the story that running down the street alone, chased by a tank. I mean, this is not a normal life. And then we have one girl who's lost three friends in suicide bombers. This is, it's very sad to grow up this way. So I'm really happy that they can have some happiness. The meaning of the word intifada in English is complicated. Diana is a Palestinian Christian. When we think about the root of the word in, in the Arabic language, it means to react or object to any act of discrimination. And that is really what happened. The intifada came as a response from the Palestinians to the suffering of discrimination, the anger over travel limitations, the loss of their land and identity, and the loss of liberty in a safe homeland. My land is Gaza. It's the place where I feel that I belong. My father is a Palestinian, and my mother is Russian. We came to Gaza when I was four years old. My land is the place that I love, and I love it even when bad things happen in my city. I think that the checkpoints are the most difficult thing and the problem we have when we travel. When we need to go to any place outside of Palestine, we have to wait long hours in the checkpoints for the soldiers to allow us to pass and go through, even though they know that many people wait as we wait. Through my experience of traveling and going outside the city, I learned an important thing, that a person finds his or her dignity and true self-evaluation in his or her own homeland. Jerusalem is a holy city for the three monotheistic religions, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. Jerusalem was a Palestinian city, and still is a Palestinian city even with the Israeli occupation. Jerusalem reminds every person of his religion and his roots. But the Muslims have been forbidden to enter Jerusalem many times because of the occupation. We know and believe that Jerusalem is a holy city for three, for three religions, but the Jews can't appreciate that. And they want it just for themselves and forbid the Philistines the Palestinians, Muslims, and Christians to enter Jerusalem by using their power and abilities as occupiers. A, per a person has to love and appreciate his land and benefit his land. As a Palestinian, I feel pain, pain because my land has been taken from me by those in power. My freedom has been taken, the freedom of living in peace, security, and safety on a beautiful land. Audie is an Israeli Jewish teen 
It's so hard for me to hear some people's opinions. I love Israel. It's my home, it's my love, it's my family. Each day I hear conversation of my parents and their fears about my brother who is in the army. I will never apologize about my rights to live in this country that my grandparents built in their own hands. No soldier enjoys being in Gaza or Ramallah or the checkpoints, but it's the only way to prevent suicide bombers and give a feeling of safety to the citizens of Israel, Jews and Arabs one. It's so hard for me to hear people say that the Intifada is exactly the same as the Holocaust. I feel there isn't anything similar between those two things. I wish the Intifada would stop. My opinions have grown at this camp and I feel the only solution is to take the land of Israel and split it into two countries. One side the Arabs and on the other side the Jews. On every side there are people that are extreme and they want, and they want all the land. Until they will have it, it won't be pleased. So many times there were bombings in places where I go a lot. For example, one month ago, there was an explosion near the mall in Netanya. We go there a lot, and my mom and I were supposed to be there that day. I was really scared when I heard about the bombing because I could have been killed. Also, just a few days ago, there was shooting on a bus in Shufaram, an Arab Israeli village. The man who shot people was an Israeli soldier. My dad works there, and one of his employees warned him after the shooting to leave because he's a Jew who works in an Arab community. Both of those examples show that the violence comes from both sides. I wish someday that we could live in peace, and I hope that the suffering of my grandparents and all the Israeli people will end. I hope I can play a small part in this. You're listening to Arab, Israeli, and Palestinian teenage girls speaking to an audience in Santa Fe's Temple Beth Shalom in the summer of 2005. The teens were wrapping up their time at the Creativity for Peace camp that brought them together. Again, here's Carol Boss with camp director Rachel Kaufman. You were talking about shifts that have happened. Um, Can you think of an example of a story of, let's say, one of the girls going back to their community where this shift They took their experience here, and as a result, a shift happened back home. On the Israeli-Jewish side, we've had about three or four of our girls who are now not going to enter into the army. They're choosing civil service because they don't want to be in a position to hurt their friends. So that's a big shift for them. One of the Palestinian girls... She told me that when I interviewed her in Ramallah, she would not sleep with the same room with Jewish girls. She was too afraid. She went back, though, to Ramallah, and now she talks a lot about her Jewish-Israeli friends and how the Israelis, how her friends are. She's really promoting peace. And, of course, for her, this is very difficult because she's called a traitor and other things that I don't want want to repeat. I remember what happened to me one day. This is Rana speaking through a translator. It's maybe going to be funny to you, but it's the example for what happened to me as a Palestinian girl, and I can't forget. One day, the Israeli army told us that after a couple of hours, they will attack Gaza, my city in Palestine that they will attack us with tanks and shooting. And sometimes they enter into our homes and use our things and take our men and kick us out of our homes. It scared me a lot. I was terrified. 
I started to think about what's going to happen if the Israeli army kicks us out of the home. Oh my God, we will be in the streets without a home. Then I just think about a solution. Really, I want to prepare myself. And I came up with an idea to pack a bag with all the stuff that I may need if they kick me out. I put some food for myself and my family if we will be hungry and all my personal things that I most like and I don't want to lose them in their attack. I've also put some clothing, especially my praying clothes. And the most important thing that I put is the Quran because when I feel afraid or I worry about something and feel unsaved, I read the Quran to feel comfortable and to ask God to protect me and my family especially from the enemy's attacks. It's not fair to let a child feel all those fears. Really, not fair. The fear that Palestinian children feel every day and don't have the same normal childhood as every other child in this world. Shoshan, a Jewish-Israeli girl, is flanked by Miriam and Diana, both Palestinians. I live in a bubble. My home is built on the side of a hill, opposite the Kermel mountain. The life in the place where I live is disconnected from the reality. It does not mean that I don't know what is happening in Israel and around the world. It just means that the place where I live is where I felt most safe in all the world. Last year, my mother and her friend collected money and bought 300 school bags, notebooks, pens, and pencil boxes with, mat- with much effort. We filled them with the notebooks and the pencil boxes, and, we- and when it was all ready, a group went to Rumane, a village near the Janine refugee camp, and gave these bags to the Palestinian children. Four months later, I went with my mom to Rumane to see how else we could help. On the way home, we saw all the children went with the bags. That we have given them, returning from school. As Shoshan fights back tears, Diana from Palestine puts her arm around her. It was a very moving experience for me. As soon as I saw the children, I felt I have made a difference in the world. When I helped the children, I felt like it's a small act. But when I saw them, went with the school bags on their back, I understood that the small act was greater than I had thought. These are the poorest children in the village. They have no money for school bags, notebooks, and most other needs. So often, they just don't go to school, don't get an education, and cannot get ahead in their society. 
I felt I was not giving for a place of pity. I was offering them a chance for growth and a better life. I felt I was giving more than school bags. I was giving them hope, hope that they could get an education, and also hope by knowing that not all Jews are bad, that only their only contact with Jews is soldier, who of course they see as the enemy. I wanted them to know that there are people who care about them, and some of these people are Jews. I have a huge fear that the war will never end. It makes me think a lot about what country means to me. Actually, I felt I, that I have no country. I don't feel that any country is mine. I can live anywhere. I don't care. Many feel that the land of Israel is theirs, but in the truth, no land belongs to anyone. All land belongs to the world. If all the people will begin to understand that nothing in this world belongs to them, peace will come sooner. Peace starting with the understanding that land belongs to everybody. My name is Luzian. I am a Christian Arab girl who lives in Israel in a small village in the north where I was born. Israel is a Jewish land, but we the Arab Israelis live here and believe it is our land too. I live with my big family peacefully in my village, but we want to go to other places in Israel we are afraid because of the bombings that happened in Israel all the time. I hope the nations soon come to an understanding and find a peaceful solution because Jerusalem belongs to them equally. I think that each letter in the word peace has a meaning. P means people. E means equality. A means acceptance. C means communication. And E means education. There are so many meanings to the word peace. For example, there is a peace between a person and himself. This is a peace that is sitting you with yourself. Peace between people is every day. It is meeting new people and how, and how you treat them and behave towards them. We all need to have hope for peace because it will be a wonderful thing in the world, especially between Israel and Palestine and also in Iraq and any other place that is not peaceful. I feel that peace is the most beautiful thing in life, and when peace will come to the world, all the sadness will go away from the people. Arab, Israeli, and Palestinian teenage girls speaking from their hearts at the end of their two weeks at the Creativity for Peace camp in Glorieta, New Mexico in the summer of 2005. For links to news about the Creativity for Peace camp and to the Project Life Stories team that facilitated the girls' dialogue and monologue processes during the camp, visit our website, peacetalksradio.com. 
That's where you can also hear this program again and hear more monologues and music from the girls, all at peacetalksradio.com, where you can also order CDs and learn how to support this program, which is produced by Good Radio Shows Incorporated, a nonprofit media organization. Support for Peace Talks also comes from the McCune Charitable Foundation of New Mexico, online at nmmccune.org. Music today by Ali Adelman and Donald Rubenstein. For our host, Carol Boss, I'm Paul Ingalls. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for the KUNM Youth Radio Show. We hope you enjoyed this evening's program. Contributors for the show include Youth Radio Speakout hosts Otiyama Umbi and Ariely Acosta. Panelists Carmen Gallegos, Felicia Tafoya, and Violet Umi. Youth activist Albert Aroca, Kirby Platero, and Quentin Doran. Youth Radio Collective members Lucia Martinez, Evan Molson, Tracy Tram, Kyle Ferris, Joseph Savage, and me, Avika Lucky. Also, Luis Martinez, Wes Barber, Marsh Chalon, Mina Lee, and Michael Harley. Peace Talks produced by Paul Ingalls. Remember to send comments and show name suggestions to youthradio at kunm.org. Tune in to Youth Radio next Sunday at 7 p.m.